I'm going to tell you a story. If you hear some background noise, try to ignore it. Because it's rush hour here and I live in a place where it has all of these pretty wavy glass windows from back in the olden days. But they are not really soundproof. I'd usually try to make recordings around 3 a.m. When there is no traffic and the neighborhood's pretty quiet. But I want to get the recording that I made earlier taken down. And I can't do that unless I put another one up. If I don't put another one up first, I'll have to redo this entire site. And I don't want to do that. Trust me when I tell you, you're not missing anything from the first one I recorded. It was terrible. It wasn't even anything I was really interested in. But this one is. So this is Marty on the Main, and let's talk. At the time of this story, I was 25 years old. And I was living in Houston, Texas. I had lived in apartments all my life. And I didn't want an apartment anymore. I wanted a house. And every Sunday I would get the Chronicle. And I would look at all the houses. I would start with all the big, beautiful, colored pictures of places I could not possibly afford and work my way down to the normal houses in the regular neighborhoods all the way down to the cheapest ones for sale and then over to the ones for rent. I wasn't expecting to find anything but I did. It was a listing without a picture. It said beautiful colonial home. Four bedrooms, two baths. On two acres, I think it said, mature trees and a garden. And it was only $50 more a month and I was paying in rent and I had to go see this house so I called the number in the paper and the lady answered the phone and she told me that her and her husband owned the house and they were working that day they had a plant nursery that they owned that wasn't far from the house. And if I'd like to see the house, I could come over to the plant nursery and I could follow her and she would take me to show me the house. She said it wasn't far away and it wouldn't take long. So I said, okay, I'm on my way. I got up, took a shower, got dressed, got in the car. It was a bright, 
pretty sunny day in June. Perfect day for a drive. And I got to the plant nursery and I met the woman and her husband. And these were the nicest people. If you had to have landlords, trust me, these were the people that you'd want to have. So I got in the car and I followed her over to the house. And we turned into the driveway and it was just like what the ad has said. Beautiful white house with columns. Far more than I expected for the amount of money that I was going to pay. I couldn't believe it. When I pulled up in the yard under this canopy of trees and saw this house, I wanted it. As I pulled into the drive, I got a little glimpse of a gate kind of on the right-hand side of the house. And I thought, that must be the garden that was in the ad. And I could imagine taking my little girl and us going back there in the garden and planting some flowers, maybe a few vegetables and stuff, and watching them grow and taking care of them. Uh, I had it all planned out. Well, I was dreaming of it all anyway. I could just see it. So I got out of a car in this big shaded lawn. And I followed the woman up to the front door. And she opened the door and walked in. And I went to walk in behind her. And I got to the threshold of the door and I stopped cold. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. Goosebumps broke out on my arms and everything in me said, do not go in this house. But what was I going to do? I came out here to see this house. It was the reason for the trip. How would I explain not going inside? And she was already in there. I could hear her moving around and turning on lights. And I thought, I've got to go in this house. And I tried to take a step through the door and froze again. My body was literally screaming, do not go in this house. 
I couldn't think of anything else to do. I had to walk through the door. She was calling me. And I forced myself to take that step and cross that threshold. The first thing I noticed is that the house was dark, really dark. It had all these big windows, but there wasn't any light coming through the windows. And I could barely see her. She was a shadow moving around, turning on lights, but it was like the lights that she was turning on were being swallowed up by the darkness in the house. It was like they weren't making any dent in it. And I was trying to let my eyes adjust. Now remember, this is Texas. Texas is a sunny state. This was June. The sun was shining. The birds were singing. There were all these big glass windows. And there was no light in this house. I didn't get it. How could this house be this dark? But I walked across the floor and come in through the entrance and there's the living area. And she's telling me really obvious things like how big and comfortable the living room could be and there was a fireplace and the kitchen was right behind the living room with a counter between the kitchen and the breakfast area where you could put a little table and sit and have your breakfast and look out the patio doors which these big glass patio doors and there was no light coming through them either. But if you looked out the patio doors, you could see that the backyard was lit up really nice and bright. But no light in the house. And I'm trying to see details. I know the cabinets have a um, reddish brown wood color. But that's really all I can see. So she shows me to the patio doors and there's a shed out back. And she tells me that the guy who had lived here before had left suddenly and he had left all his things inside the house everything. Shaving kit, wallet, keys, everything. 
she said they didn't know what to do with his stuff. So they had put it out there in that shed in the backyard. They were going to keep it for 30 days, and if he came back for it, they were going to give it to him. They didn't want to throw it away just yet, but if 30 days was over and he hadn't come back, they'd come and clean out the shed, and I could have it for whatever I wanted to use it for. Garden supplies, uh, seeds and pots, storage, whatever I wanted to do. And the backyard had all these pretty big trees, too, and grass, and I knew my little girl would love playing in it. So we walked through to the dining room, which was through a door on the opposite side of the living room. And we walked in the dining room. There were these hardwood floors. And it was dark in there, too. It was even darker than the living room and the kitchen. And I soon figured out why. She started complaining that he had painted the dining room black. She said she didn't know why anybody would paint a room black. And she was complaining about how much paint it was going to take to cover that color. But she told me that if I wanted to take the house, then they would paint it whatever color I wanted it painted. And they were going to get up the symbols off the floor. And I had seen those. I knew what those symbols were. Not that I practiced Satanism, but I had seen enough movies to know what a pentagram looks like. She didn't know what it was. She knew it was some kind of star, but that's all she thought about it. And there were all these other symbols around it that I had no idea what they were or what they meant. And she told me that they were going to get that stuff up too, try to sand it down. And if they couldn't get it all off, they'd lay a rug or some carpet. And so she took me out of there and we were going to go upstairs and look at the bedrooms. On the stairs, she turned on the light switch, and this was a bare bulb hanging on the stair wall. A bare 100 watt bulb. It maybe lit up three steps on the stairs. The only reason I knew why where I was going was because she had on a white shirt and I just kept following that white shirt. And I knew my eyes should have adjusted by now, but I still couldn't see anything. And I think really, she just knew her way around the house. 
we got to the top of the stairs and she showed me two bedrooms that I couldn't see anything in. She showed me another bedroom that was the size of a decent wall walk-in closet. And when you when she opened up that door, there was light everywhere. The window in that room was letting in all kinds of light. And that window was at the front of the house where all those big windows were. So every room at the front of the house, including the dining room, because it was at the front of the house, should have looked like this. Should have been letting in light. And none of them were. Just this one little room. And I could just see me and my two-year-old daughter huddled up in the bed in this one tiny room at two o'clock in the morning afraid to go out into the rest of the house. And I could see myself sitting on a bed watching that doorknob and praying, please don't turn it. Please don't turn. And we left out of that room. And she showed me a couple more rooms that I couldn't see. And we went back downstairs and she showed me this door to the side of the house. And there was that little gate that I had glimpsed from the front yard. And yes, it was a garden. Something I had wanted. But by now, I really just wanted to get out of this house. So when we got outside, she told me that she really liked me and she hoped I would get the house and that if I rented it, they would give me the third month rent-free so I could do whatever I wanted to do around the house. And if I wanted any plants for the front yard, I could come up to the plant nursery that they owned and I could pick out whatever I wanted. No charge. I'm telling you, these were some really nice people. And I told her I'd let her know. And I got in my car and she got in hers. And I drove off. Now, I knew I shouldn't get that house. But I still thought about it because I wanted a house so badly. And I said, well, even though it's just $50 a month, more than I'm paying now. It would have other bills that I didn't have in the apartment because at the time, the apartment, I had to pay the electricity, but everything else 
was free. The apartment was all electric. This house would have a gas bill, it would have a water bill, it would have a cable bill. So even though the rent was only $50 difference, the house was going to cost more. And I wasn't comfortable in it. And that became the deciding factor. So I never called her back about it. Now you would think that that would be the end of the story. I certainly did. But it's not. Fast forward. It's November now. It's almost Thanksgiving. And I have a friend who works in Missouri City and his car broke down, so I told him I'd take him to work. It's a rainy evening. And Missouri City is a suburb of Houston and to get to the area of Missouri City where he worked, we had to go down this little blacktop road. It was really narrow with a ditch on both sides and it was raining. And though it was only about 6.30 or so, it was November, so it was dark. I had my headlights on. So I took him, dropped him off at work, turned around, and was headed back toward Houston. Now, at 6.30, traffic was heavy coming out of Houston, going into Missouri City, because people who worked in Houston were going home. But I was leaving Missouri City, going back home to Houston. So going my way, there wasn't any traffic. All the headlights were coming toward me on the left, and I was in the right-hand lane. Though it wasn't any lane, it was just a little blacktop road, and you had to stay on your side. So I'm going down this little blacktop road, and um, I'm not speeding. I'm going about 35, 40 miles an hour. I think the speed limit is 45 through there. And all of a sudden, this thing steps out from between all this traffic that's coming on my left-hand side right in front of my car with both hands spread out. It had glowing red eyes and hair that was spiked like a little kid would draw the sun. 
and I thought, I'm going to hit a person. It didn't look like a person, but it had to be a person because what else could it be? It had to be a person. It was about seven feet tall, maybe eight, but it had to be a person, right? I slammed on the brakes, but I knew I was too close to miss it. And the tires on the car skidded. And I closed my eyes, holding the steering wheel, bracing myself for the thud. And nothing happened. There was no sound. Nothing hit the front of the car. The front wheels didn't bounce over anything. But I had to hit it. It was only six feet in front of me. I could not have stopped. I had to hit it. So I waited for the back tires to jump over this body or whatever it was, but nothing. And I had swerved the car and the tires slid in the leaves and mud on the side of the road. And I was headed toward this big oak tree. And I said, please God, I don't wanna die. And I swerved the car back to the left and made it back up on the road and managed not to go into oncoming traffic. I heaved a huge sigh of relief, but I knew I had to hit something. I knew it. So a little ways down the road, there was a 7-Eleven gas station on the right-hand side. I pulled into the gas station. I had to get out of the car and go see. I had to check. Somebody could be dying on the side of the road, and I couldn't leave them there. So, I opened the car door and got out. Took my keys with me, I locked the door. It was raining, it was cold. I had on a little jacket, pulled the cap up over my head and I started walking down the side of the road. And in the direction I was heading, traffic was moving with me because it was in that right lane and I was in the left. I was walking toward the way I had come from. So oncoming traffic would have been coming toward me. There wasn't any traffic coming out of Missouri City. Everybody was going into Missouri City. And that's when I realized there was a steady line of Houston rush hour traffic going down this little blacktop road. How did that thing walk between all those cars 
and not get hit. It had to cross that steady traffic to get in my lane. And it didn't get hit. I knew that was impossible. But still, right now, I had to check. I had to make sure there was nobody in a ditch on the side of the road. I noticed that traffic hadn't slowed down. Everything was moving along like normal. So I go down the street and I get to a point where I see this big oak tree that I almost hit. And I can look down at the shiny wet leaves and I can see the tracks of the car where it went off the road and skidded and I can see the mud that was pushed up that maybe stopped me from going all the way off. But there's nothing there. Nobody. Nothing. So I don't understand it. And I stand there for a moment looking around. And then I noticed. Directly across the street. From where I skidded off the road was that house that I was in in June. And I figured that thing had come from that house and somehow it remembered me. And it knew I had been there, and it knew I was outside, and it came out for me. Because somehow, I had gotten away from it. And I remember how I felt in that house. I felt like something was watching me. And I kept turning around, but when I turned, I didn't see anything. Now, I know this sounds crazy. I didn't want to believe it either. But I wonder what happened to that man who had been in that house, the one who disappeared and left everything. I wonder if maybe he had been playing some kind of 
Satanist game, dabbling in those kinds of rituals, and he had conjured this thing up. And he didn't know how to get rid of it. And he left. Or worse, maybe he was still somewhere in that house. I don't know. It, it all sounds strange, but the whole thing is strange. And that's what happened. And this is the first episode of Marty on the Main. And whether you believe me or not, every word of that is true. If you'd like to make a comment, if you had something that happened to you, I'd like to hear about it. Send it to me at Marty on the Main on gmail.com. Until then, good night.